You're listening to Her Body on Body IOFM with your hosts, Alex Navarro and Shayna Alverson, the women's source for optimal health and lifelong performance. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Her Body, brought to you by Body IOFM. I'm Alex Navarro. Oh, hey. I'm Shayna Alverson. Welcome. <laughs> we are um, looking forward to today's, to today's topic because I think it's very fitting for the time of year. And for those of you celebrating a holiday, happy holidays to you. Happy holidays. It's the time. I really like Christmas music. Me too. I, it's really... I just, I, I have the stations on Pandora and, and I just rock out. I was, um, you know, I was a musician for a really long time. Well, I'm, I'm still a musician. You I don't do it for a living a anymore. That's true. <laughs> but when I was in kindergarten, so I was five years old, they, um, I went to Catholic school. They came to our classroom and said, who wants to be in the Christmas choir? Well, I just wanted to get out of class. And so I raised my hand. Good reason. And so that's actually how I started singing was Christmas music in nice. a Christmas choir in a Catholic church. And so I have this crazy nostalgia every every holiday season. So Nice. I cannot sing. You don't want me to. Well, you can. But hey, if you want me to be in a play, I am more than happy to put on a costume and act <laughs> something out. Totally about that. You can be the angel on top really of the tree. I really like putting costumes on. I think it's really fun. I think that was my favorite part of competing in fitness. It was like, ooh, I get to put an outfit on and, and pick a theme and like be this character. Oh, that's cool. And that was always like a really fun part. So We would make good compliment then because you could wear the costume and I'll, <laughs> I'll do the voice. Because I hate, like I hate Halloween. People oh my gosh, that's like my favorite holiday. <laughs> I know. Well, I already I know what I'm going to be next year. <laughs> I do. A lot of people say that, but I I have a like, box of Halloween stuff. Yeah. Like you could be anything you want for one day, and I'm like, but I want I want every day. So like, really? But yeah. So Halloween just doesn't appear. And plus, there's a lot of like gross things. Like well, I don't see. Do I don't like do gruesome. And, I do no, more I like fun. Like I've been almost every Disney character who has long dark hair. <laughs> I do all that, of them. No, why does that not surprise? All me? of them. <laughs> so like Snow White, Pocahontas, Pocahontas, Milan, Princess Jasmine. Perfect. I was actually I did her for a, a fitness competition. Actually, it, <laughs> that was awesome. really fun. <laughs> did you have a tiger? I had a little no, but I had a little. Uh, especially going out for Halloween, I had a little monkey backpack so I could put all my stuff in it. Oh, so funny! Which was great. So, yeah, I've also been the Queen of Hearts. Well, that's not quite Disney, but no, and that she was doesn't a fun have one too. Long dark hair. Either. No, she has dark hair, but I put it up. Oh, okay. So gotcha. Kind of off theme but you get what i'm we get where i'm going i yeah, like yeah, characters yeah. like snow that. white you could pull off snow white i feel yeah, like well, it's true you'd be like you know a more latin snow because <laughs> 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 you are kind of tan i guess it is. it's true and halloween's usually after summer so i'm usually still a little tan yeah yeah which is yeah. why pocahontas was like perfect yeah yeah so and, and princess jasmine yes <laughs> costume box at home um, okay. I always just do the easy ones, like, oh, I had this in my closet already. I'm just going to throw it on. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we can, we can we um, can 
We got derailed already. Okay, so bull holidays, holiday, you know, that's a holiday. Some people don't consider it a holiday. I do, just because I really enjoy it. Um, but what we're going to talk about today is uh, with the new year coming up and something that we've definitely talked about before on the show, which is goal setting. But we're going to take it, oh, we're going to get a little bit more in depth with it. We're going to really get some, get deep into what goal setting is, what it should be, and what a lot of things. A lot of things that we see people either doing wrong when they're goal setting or not considering the importance of when goal setting. Yeah, kind of trying to troubleshoot like, here's what not to do when you're setting a new goal for yourself. And mm-hmm. and this is the perfect time of year, right? Because everybody kind of just, you know, they get stressed out. They end up, you know, using food as a way to soothe themselves during the holidays. They get so busy um, because they feel the pressure of so many more tasks to complete that they're usually the gym time, you know, takes a backseat. And so by the time the holidays are over and January one hits, everyone is ready to like, okay, let's recommit, you know? So I know it's a little bit cliche to talk about, you know, new year's resolutions and stuff like that, but it really does make sense. Like it's a good time, um, well, just to kind of reevaluate where you're at, what's important to you now and moving forward long term. Because I think that a lot of the first mistake that people make in the new year is they set goals that are not long term. It's like, I want to lose weight by the end of January. <laughs> Sounds really great. Yeah. Probably not going to happen. Yeah. Um, and honestly, what inspired me to want to talk about this in, in the in-depthness that we're going to is because... This has actually been the busiest December I have ever had. I have had more people reach out for coaching who want to start right now, which is weird because nobody ever wants to start right now. But awesome. But awesome. And the motivation behind these particular people is the fact that they are ready to look deep into why they haven't been able to do it in the past. It has nothing to do with, I need a diet plan. Right. So they're acknowledging that there's something besides just, oh, I don't have willpower and I don't eat right. Exactly. And what a better time to do it than now. Yeah. And it happens to be December. And the things that we've been able to uncover and reveal about their behavior and mindset, which are things that we're going to touch upon today, has been like very inspiring for me. I mean, it's like, wow, we hit kind of opened the door to all of these things that they hadn't even considered before as to behavior or stories that they've told themselves in the past. And that has what has sort of opened up the the possibility for what they can now achieve going into this next year, which is super cool. Yeah, I think that, you know, awareness is such a positive and powerful exercise. Like that's, you know, there's a reason that with like 12 step programs the first step is admitting you have a problem and so that that sounds very basic and it sounds a little it, a little bit comical almost like you know yeah <laughs> hello my name is Shayna and I like to drink you know too much diet coke or whatever I I despise diet coke I'm mm-hmm. just pulling that out of you know out of nowhere but um it's to me that first step is about awareness it's about looking at your behavior, looking at what you have going on, because if you're just, you just have these behaviors that are coming out of you, you don't know where they come from, and you just do them without making a conscious decision to do them all the time, mm-hmm. then you have a lack of awareness. But the minute that that behavior 
is called to your conscious attention where you can kind of latch onto it and in the moment kind of pause and go, wait a second, why am I choosing this? You know, that calling those behaviors to your conscious awareness is where change starts. Yep. So I think that's a really, a really great place to start talking about, you know, new goals, changing your behaviors, creating new habits. Definitely. And we talk about awareness a lot on the show, but more in terms of body awareness or like, you know, like how does this, I ate the food logging. Like I I ate this, this is how I feel. I'm satisfied. I'm full. I have good energy. You know, we talk a lot about that sort of biofeedback and what we're going to talk about today is more of the mental emotional feedback Mm -hmm. because so much, especially for us ladies, so much of how we eat and what we eat is wrapped up in our emotions, whether we realize it or not. And even me, there are definitely times where I've feel the need to reach for something because it fulfills something in me on an emotional level there's a there's a like a motivational speaker guy he's like a he's older school his name's Dennis Waitley and I forget the name of his book I can't remember I wish I could but Dennis Waitley I want to put it in the show notes yeah yeah I want to definitely give him credit for this little phrase but it's something that when I just listened to his like audiobook or something um but the this phrase stuck with my stuck in my head because it's kind of a little rhyme so it's easy to remember but is the behavior stress relieving or is it goal achieving and so so many of us and you can use you know you could use that little kind of question to yourself for any type of behavior like Mm -hmm. getting on the internet is this are you surfing on the internet because you're stressed and you just need a way to like mindlessly give your brains and your emotion a break or are you on the internet because it's productive it's something that you need to do for work it's gonna it's gonna get you further along to what your goal is so I think that that's a really great question to ask yourself when a behavior is called to your conscious awareness like is this behavior stress relieving like Mm -hmm. am I doing it because I'm stressed and I want to soothe that anxiety with you know by crunching on a half a bag of potato chips please don't do that Um, or (laughs) you know is it goal achieving? You know, I'm I'm eating a, a measured amount of protein, carbs, and fat for this meal because I have goals and this is getting me there. So right. I really love that phrase. Well, and at that point, you're detaching your eating behavior from your emotions. And that at first is going to be super uncomfortable. Well, A, the uncomfortable part is looking at it because it's not just oh, am I, like say you do this, you do this this little task within the moment, you're eating your potato chips, perhaps in the, the kitchen pantry where no one can see you. <laughs> With your head because into people behind do the that. door. Oh, um, yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. So say, you know, you catch I mean, yourself heard, in I've that moment. That. It's not just about, okay, yes, I am doing this because I'm stressed out. Okay, that's the first step. Beyond that, it's like, well, what am I stressed out about? This is the part that people don't want to do. It's not just a matter of making these small connections. It's actually, and we, we just talked about this, you know, before we jumped on and hit the record button, as we were talking about this, this uh, emotional backpack, emotional baggage right. backpack, called the garbage. <laughs> garbage pack. Garbage pack that we all have on our back to some extent. Um, some are bigger than others. Some have heavier things than others. Sometimes it's full of a lot of light things, um, but it's still a backpack nonetheless. And 
once we sort of acknowledged, okay, I'm doing this behavior because I'm stressed out. Well, what are the stressors you have in your life? That's that's another step. Yeah. Thinking about how to manage those is another. But also where and how that pattern, that behavior, where that started, how that developed, how long have you had it? The longer that you've had that, the harder it is going to be to break. That doesn't mean that it's unbreakable, but the work to break it is going to be that much harder. And that's the work that most people don't want to do because it's uncomfortable. Right. Once that once that behavior is called your conscious awareness, and we're speaking very figuratively here about, you know, like using the backpack as a metaphor, but I think it works really well because mm-hmm. if if something if something in that backpack, right, a behavior that you're doing that you don't understand the motivation for, it's just happening over and over and you're like, God, why am I doing that? I wish I could stop doing it. It's it's the motivation behind that behavior that is a lot of times really scary for people to look at. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, I don't want to open that backpack because there's a hairy, scary tarantula in there. And I know it's in there because I had stuck my hand in one time and I felt it. It was fuzzy. And I, I know <laughs> it's going to like, it's going to chomp my finger off if I, if I reach in and like dig for the, that, you know, kind of motivation. But what happens a lot of times when you have a willingness to kind of set your fear aside and say, all right, well, maybe it's a nice tarantula and you stick your hand in there. You're like, oh, it's not a tarantula at all. It's a little stuffed animal that just shaped like a tarantula. It's not that <laughs> scary. So to take, you know, to really just carry the, <laughs> the metaphor even further. Well, a lot of the time it's, I mean, I like that though, because it's kind of like sticking your hand in a black box and you don't know what's inside. But once you do it, the scary part is just thinking about doing it and the potential outcome. And that's what stress is. It's, it's fearing what hasn't happened yet. Yep. It's not what's in the moment. It's so, fearing what hap- what might happen. You know what might be really powerful for people is to give them like a real world example. So do you have any examples of like kind of epiphanies that your clients have had or any that you could share that? Yeah. What? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, so there's one and, and I don't think that she's going to mind me talking about her. Um, you don't have to say her name. But. I'm not going to. Okay. <laughs> Um, but she's one that really wanted to look at her behavior because what she's been doing hasn't been working for her. And that's so it's kind of like it took her years to get to that point of years of trying different diets, trying different things. Um, and just everything wasn't working for her because she knew it wasn't just about the food because her behavior was still there. And actually, Carrie is a great example. Carrie, I had on on the podcast around this time last year. She joined me on three different episodes. Uh, she talked about her body dysmorphia and and her eating um, disordered eating habits. And yeah, those are really fascinating episodes. By the way, if you haven't listened to them, I mean, talk about looking at your shit. Yeah, <laughs> and being honest with yourself about your behavior. It takes courage to be able to dig in that way. Yeah, but it was she was so liberated when she did. Yeah, I mean, it was like, okay, I've acknowledged this. I've said this out loud. Oh my gosh, she literally put her backpack down, <laughs> like literally and figuratively put the backpack down. Yeah. One hundred and fifty pounds later, unload. Crazy. Yeah. Um, but it was really for. And I'll just I'll just keep talking about her because we you've. For those of you who have heard her story before, it's very inspiring. And she was one where, it's, okay, I, I know that these are things that I need to look at. And one of her aha moments was 
she has a very stressful job. Well, she did at the time. And it was a, it was very cyclical, the stress. So it was at the end of every quarter, stress. You know, workload was increased. Meetings were increased. Her days were increased. She knew this was going to come up at the end of every quarter. And at the end of every quarter, she stopped logging her food. And she would generally fall off the wagon because coping her stress with food was was the technique that she had developed over time. It became time. stress relieving. Correct. Yeah. Correct. And she would she would you know she would just lose for lack of a better word, I'm gonna say lose control. She just didn't put as much effort into being conscious of her food choices at that point. Um, but it, we knew that it wasn't working for her. So what we did was what we we experimented with some techniques to play with because it did take some time to play with some different things as that time approached every quarter. So I was like, okay, we know this is going to happen because it happens every time. So let's try this this quarter and see what works. And the first time, I'm trying to remember what it was because, gosh, this was a very long time ago. But the first one was, okay, you're always having trouble at the end of the day because most people have trouble at the end of the day. So rather for her was she would always bring her food earlier in the day and then she'd get home at night and lose control so for her it was okay let's don't don't think so much about the daytime because that's actually the easy time for you because you your day is so busy that you don't have time to think about yeah food. there's lots of distractions during the day and exactly. the reason that nighttime becomes kind of a free-for-all for a lot of people is because it's when everything is settled down and those emotions the scary ones to look at right that we just talked about yep. that's when they start to kind of rise to the surface and you need something else to distract you because those things coming up are just a little too scary. And that's when people kind of get derailed, kind of get sidetracked and just, you know, they'll eat perfectly all day long. And then all of a sudden they're starting to use the food as a stress reliever again. Yep. So, so the technique we played with was let's not think about what you do during the day because she had her morning she had her morning routine down. She loved her coffee in the morning. She put a little bit of whey in it. She loved that. That was never an issue. She'd always go out to the same restaurant for lunch and eat the same thing. So that was easy. Didn't plan out what she was going to do early in the day because that just fell into place naturally for her. It was nighttime that we would plan out her meals. We would have some structure around that. And at that point, I would have her keep an, emo an emotional food journal. And I do this with a lot of clients who come to me for this specific goal to sort of investigate their behavior around things. And it's, it's taking the food logging a step further. So obviously, the food logging is going to be important because we've got to see what, sh what they're putting in their mouth. Okay, now we take it the step further and say, I ate this. This is how I felt before I ate it. This is how I felt during eating it, as it was actually putting it in my mouth. And you don't have to log in the moment that you're putting it in your mouth. <laughs> okay. Multitasking is already hard enough. You can hold the food in your left hand and you can write with your right hand. But but <laughs> just something to note. Yeah. But something to note in, in that is, okay, am I eating really fast? Which I tend to do. I tend to inhale my food. And I have deep-rooted reasons as to why I do that now that I've looked at them. Um, do you have siblings? I do. That'll who do it. eat a lot of food, uh -huh. and I felt like I needed to eat it all fast, otherwise they might take it from me. This <laughs> literally is the behavior I've had since I was a child, and it's still there. And these are just things, again, looking at that. I wouldn't even consider that until I investigated. That's but primal, though. It is. I'm like, don't, no, don't, and my friends know, don't ask for any of my food. Don't. 
<laughs> I like dagger eyes. Alex don't, doesn't share food. I don't share food. I don't. <laughs> okay, so back. <laughs> it's like Joey from Friends. Exactly. Nope. Joey doesn't share food. Nope. Alex this is what either. I. This is what I chose. This is what I want. I'm gonna eat it all. Um. So once. You know, kind of going back to, okay, did I eat my food fast? Am I eating it slow? Is there like an order that I'm eating it? And this might sound super meticulous, but there's a reason why we do things. And even just acknowledging that is going to be helpful. Then once you're done, how are you feeling? Are you feeling guilty because you ate something that you shouldn't have? Are you feeling satisfied? Feeling warm and fuzzy? Like what, what's it, what are you experiencing? And as you start to look at these it's going to be easier to identify the feelings that are coming up because you'll be like oh this is how I felt last time I did this or I made a better decision and I don't feel that way this time oh interesting like I'm not feeling any guilt in fact I feel really satisfied in a strange way and almost liberated because I made a good decision and I feel proud of myself or whatever you know some sort of a positive reinforcement feeling is Um, so Breaking down the emotional responses to how you're eating is a great first step. Very insightful. Well, it's and sometimes it's more just like, oh, interesting information. But right. any information is good information. True. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I mean, if we're going back to like the root causes, like where do these particularly like automatic subconscious behaviors come from? You know, like when I was a very little girl, I. I was not considered a good eater. And so my parents would kind of like manipulate me a little bit into finishing my food. And so what I think is what happened is that, you know, I started to ignore my biological feelings of fullness because to me, I did, or from them to me, I did not get praise or acceptance or you know whatever I needed from approval from them until my plate was clean so they would say things like oh there's starving children in Africa and you should clean your plate Mm -hmm. and so now like I'll just keep eating until my plate is clean and I'll I continuously like if there's food left on my plate like at a restaurant or something it causes me anxiety and Mm -hmm. so I've had to do a lot of like work to deal with that you know ignoring those the real like physiological signs I'm getting that I'm actually full Mm -hmm. and being like, okay, it's okay if I leave some food on this plate because whether I eat it or not, like neither of those behaviors is going to affect children in Africa. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. Good point. (laughs) But yeah. But so it's so strange though, like how that guilt stays with you. So like, you know, those, I got those messages when I was four years old, but that's, that's developmental. That's like, you, you know, that's in your subconscious. Mm -hmm. So it's not a choice you make consciously all the time. And so those are the kinds of behaviors that, you know, the exercise that Alex is talking about where like, you know, feeling the emotions that you're having around the food that can really dredge up some pretty powerful things. So where you start to understand your behaviors and the motivations behind them, and then you can, you know, you'll it will come to your attention like you'll be at a restaurant and you'll go there's still food on my plate but I'm full but oh I don't have to eat this because of the starving children in Africa like it's (laughs) like (laughs) well you're just you're more informed 
about yourself and your behavior to then be able to make better decisions. And that's... You're empowered. You're, you're enabled. You are. And that's and again, that's not to say that you're going to still do it every time. No. It's still okay <laughs> yeah. to do things in, in an emotional way. But just being aware of that and if and when those instances come up where you still... You know, you still act on old behavior. It's fine. And or I think if you're like, I feel stressed. I'm going to have a glass of wine. Like, okay, go for it. Just but then make don't... it a conscious choice. And let it go after that. Right. It make is it what it is. Move decision. on. Yep. Yes. Moving on is really good. It is. I really could. Let's talk about that for a minute. Let's Move talk about. on. Like. You do not need to do the 10 days again. No, please don't. Just do pick up where you again. left off and move on. It is what it is. Yeah. And I, so this is something that we also discussed earlier was, you know, that perfectionism, particularly in the types of people that will seek out a nutrition coach <laughs> to help them um, with their body composition. You know, these people tend to be really motivated and a lot of times, and I am, I am also acknowledging that I am one of these people, but <laughs> perfectionism runs rampant in this particular like demographic yeah, right that's true so perfectionism, all or nothing yeah that's right and so like you know the the 10 day readjustment what do we, i always forget what we call it reorientation reorientation i always call it the metabolic shift but the reorientation <laughs> the 10 day reorientation you know like that 10 days if if you've decided I need to do that 10 days perfectly and you have one mess up during the 10 days and you go, I need to start over. Okay. Let's sit down and talk about this for a minute. Mm -hmm. Step into my office. Yep. It's not really the point. Yeah. You're missing the point. <laughs> Which is fine. And, and and I get that you if you want to do something, you want to do it right. But when it comes to eating and better understanding your body and its needs, there's no right. Well, yeah. And, and I think that the that perfectionist that little perfectionist thread in there it's also a way for people to continue sabotaging themselves we'll see and this is and comes a back lot of to difficult pressure on themselves right and this comes back to figuring out what your story is yeah so the story you're telling yourself well we would recommend both of us like <laughs> you have a screw up okay no big deal but don't let that screw up send you into a downward spiral of oh i'm the worst person on the planet and i'm gonna eat myself into oblivion because i've screwed up one time like have a bad meal and then be like you know what i'm gonna get back on track the very next meal you know if your screw up meal is the last meal of the day then fix it the next morning at breakfast you know like just get back on the horse people <laughs> just get back on the horse don't don't worry about, you know, don't wave your arms and shoo the horse half a mile down the lane and have to chase after it. I'm going with the metaphors again. Is it too much? <laughs> She's laughing at trying me. She's to, like <laughs> trying to picture the, the horse running down the street. I'm, I'm picturing someone like running after a horse that's like trotting away. <laughs> there is no horse. I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, there's a horse. <laughs> Wow. Okay. Oh, yes. So, and see what we're going to do here is just get right back on track because we had a little derail. We had a little sidetrack and now we're just going to jump right back on, <laughs> on the horse. See, there's that horse. I told you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I, I'll share a little, a little story uh, of some revelations that I've had more recently. And I, I mentioned this very, very briefly in 
the pod the last podcast we episode we did where I talked about my my current regimen um and I and I believe when I mentioned it I said a story for another time and that is my relationship with exercise and and I think you know just because we're talking about goals in general and we just touched a lot on on food and emotional eating exercise is a huge component of that and for me food wasn't really an issue on an emotional level I just didn't except for the eating too fast and wanting to eat everything before somebody else did. Um, (laughs) Beyond that, I didn't have like emotional responses to like say carbohydrates. Like I didn't, if I was stressed out, I would more like more often or not than not, not eat than overeat um, because it didn't fill that void for me. But in saying that exercise was my go-to. So I over abused exercise as my stress relief instead of food. Moving my body was the way that I released that stress. And I've done it looking back from when I was five years old. And any time when I when I kind of retraced my steps and took on an obscene fitness goal, I'm going to say obscene, but a large fitness goal, it was during a very stressful time in my life. Really looking back now, I'm like, oh my gosh. And it took me a long time to really backtrack that much and see what this pattern that I had developed was and why and how I used it and how effectively I used it but also how I abused it and how I was hurting myself yeah in the process you did it to a detrimental level instead of like oh this exercise wasn't the thing that was making you healthier it was kind of beating you down well and then I I was using that as a way to not look at the stress that I was experiencing Mm -hmm. and deal with it in a more productive healthy way I mean that's another form of distraction exactly right just like we were talking about using the food to distract yourself from you know whatever painful emotions that come up at night I was like I gotta go exercise yeah exactly so that was your distraction instead of food yep and and it did it it made it very hard for me to want to look at things because I always felt better afterwards mm-hmm. and it was more of like you know I did kind of get that instant gratification except it wasn't as immediate as eating a chip it was spending however long in the gym um, and, and moving my body and I think that's why today it's hard for me to sit still for too long like if I go too many days without moving I feel awkward I'm like I gotta I gotta move around but one of the reasons why this past year, sort of as I ran my nutrition experiments, one of my, the, I want to say goals, because it wasn't really a goal, one of my criteria, it's a better word, that I set for myself when it came to exercise was I want to, I want to, I have to want to do it. I have to be excited about doing said activity. I have to feel good what I'm actually doing it in the moment and I need to leave feeling good and if one of those things didn't work out I didn't do anything or I went on a walk and sometimes the walk was actually what I needed it was it gave me that reflection time that again bringing the awareness to what I was how I was feeling what I was experiencing rather than just going to the gym and blasting my music and pulling some heavy weight and not actually dealing with how I was feeling and that was very hard at first because let me tell you on the walks when you don't have music or a podcast to listen to and you're just there by yourself oh everything comes oh man there's a lot of stuff there Mm -hmm. (laughs) there's a lot of stuff walking can really be like (laughs) you're like whoa it's a great moving meditation it really is I highly highly recommend it driving can be the same way too in the same way if you like 
turn Except for off in San Francisco. The... Oh. It's too much traffic. Well, yeah. Oh, it's My like, peeves it's like being come in a, out. It's like being traffic. in a live video game, driving in San Francisco. It's not it's, relaxing. It's like it's like Angry Angry Birds live action version. Right. It's so it's so freaky. Yes. But yeah, um, if you turn off the music and don't mm-hmm. listen to any podcast, and you're just like driving, that you know, giving your conscious mind something to focus on, which is the driving part, lets kind of things just bubble up a little less scary way um, from your subconscious. Yep. And actually, a tool that I have used just more recently, and I'm going to be very honest about this, like I literally have done it maybe like five times total. Um, I think I might might have mentioned it to you. But I, you know, I might have these like aha insightful moments, and then I like plan to write them down or like make a note of them somewhere. And then by the time I get home, I forget. Or you get distracted by like, oh, and now I need to put the groceries away. Um, (laughs) And then I'm like, what was that thing that I remembered on the walk? But what I've been doing is taking my phone and my headset and I'm using the the voice memos recording app on the phone and I just literally talk to myself. Now, this is way easier in the car when you're by yourself <laughs> than when you're on a random walk. But nobody knows you're talking to yourself. No, they think they that you're on, on the phone. phone. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you get emotional and then you start crying, which has happened, and that can be a little bit awkward. But again, who cares? Um, Those moving I feel... meditations, man. So I... good. I took a yoga class so not too long ago and uh, like I don't know how many of you know I just recently kind of had a huge life upheaval and left my life on the east coast and moved to the west coast and took a yoga class and about mm, 25 minutes in just like we went to the floor <laughs> child child pose yeah just started sobbing and it was a little embarrassing but it was just like, okay, all of these things are here yeah. and there's nothing else for you to focus on. Like you got to deal with it. It's coming up. Here it is. And yeah, so that was. I mean, honestly, that's what yoga is. That's what it's about. Mm-hmm. It's not about, you know, doing down dog. No, it's about being connected. To your body. All the way. The connecting the internal with the external. Mm-hmm. and So, you know, there's a lot, of, integrate. a lot of tools that you can use f- to look at the deeper things that need to be acknowledged before we can change our behavior and if you have a big goal you have something that you want to shoot for coming into the new year or before summer or whenever we got to start with you know let's start with okay what's the goal which we are going to elaborate on in a second sort of how to break down your goal to figure out okay well what then do I need to look at um or we were talking about kind of perfectionism and feeling like if you make one little mess up you need to start over and I think that you know we we talked about that in the nutrition realm just a little bit but Mm -hmm. to bring it to like the fitness realm you know setting such a big lofty goal like I'm gonna exercise five hours every week you know an hour every day for five days and then you know you don't hit that goal on the first week and you're like, oh, I, you know, you just use it as an opportunity for negative self-talk. I'm a piece of crap. Uh, I need to start all over again from mm-hmm. the beginning, which to me is ludicrous. But, you know, I think one way to kind of set yourself up for success is to have, you know, it's it's good to have a long kind of arching long-term goal. Mm-hmm. Like that's a good because, you know, a long-term goal is going to allow you to kind of sit down and plan out what are the steps 
that I need to take towards the long-term goal. And those are your short-term goals. And starting out, you know, maybe you're going to exercise two days a week for 15 minutes, which seems a little bit too easy, you know, almost so easy that you can't not do it. So that's, that can be a really great stimulus. And the other thing that tends to happen, I think, is setting such a huge goal. And I'm just going to go back to, you know, five hours of exercise a week. It is, it's to our minds, it's intimidating, right? Mm -hmm. Like, this is what I should be doing because this is what it's going to take for me to get, you know, a 9% body fat or, you know, whatever your, whatever your physique goals are. Um, But having that huge new habit that's so different from what you've been doing is really intimidating. And so then getting started becomes an issue. So if you set yourself up for success by having like little tiny goals that are easily achievable, nine times out of 10, you're going to end up doing more anyway. Yep. And you just got yourself started. So then you can kind of let that little goal snowball into a, a bigger short-term goal. You know, so the first week you're going to do two days, 15 minutes a day. The second week you're going to do three days, bump it to 20 minutes, you know, just something that's a little more easily attainable mm-hmm. that allows you to kind of get the snowball started. Cause that's really the hard part. Right. Once the boulder is rolling, it's going to keep kind of rolling a little bit more on its own, but it's to get, getting it started. That yeah, it's tricky. Exactly. And then once that, once that boulder is rolling also being okay with having flexibility within any plan, because shit's going to happen. There's going to be a week, even if you are, you do work up to the point where you're like, I got, I got three days a week. I'm feeling good. This is manageable. Oh, your kid gets sick. Okay. It's not the end of the world. You do what you can. And if you don't work out that week, you just pick up where you left off the next. So having flexibility within any plan or approach is going to be helpful too. You don't need to go back and start over at day one. And I, you know, I write weightlifting programming for a couple of clients and they're like, I can't do all five days this week. How can I make it up? Do I need to start over? I'm like, no, please don't start over. Do what you can this week. And then just mm-hmm. when we start next week, just start next week. Yep. I have one client who I do an A, B, C, D workout for. And each of the workouts is a total body workout. And she just picks, she does them in order. And if one day she only does one workout, then it's whatever one was next in line. So one week she might do A, B. The next week she does C. The next week she does D, A, and B. And she just kind of picks up like that. And it, it's working really well because she can plant that workout any day of the week that works for her. That's awesome. It's a lot of variety. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. And maybe that's even a conversation, you know, if, the, if, if, that, if you need that flexibility in your life, I think that's a good thing to acknowledge if you do. Just acknowledge it, accept it. Get a plan that's going to work for you. Yeah. Like that doesn't make sense if you need flexibility like that. Don't choose a five-day split plan. Don't choose a four-day right. split plan. <laughs> choose maybe you need the total body yeah. plan so that if that happen, if and when that happens, it's easy for you to work around. That mm-hmm. way you're not doing legs five times and never hitting upper body. <laughs> right. Sometimes the split and days just don't work for people and that's okay. No, and in reality, there's no such thing as perfection. Like even if you adhere to the program like, you know, to the letter – there are still going to be times that, you know, maybe one, your plan was to do Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, and this week you did Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday. Like, uh, what I'm saying is, you know, there is no perfect. And, yeah. and 
perfect would actually be making it work for you, making it sustainable. Mm -hmm. And if you pick something that you know you can't sustain, you're just setting yourself up for failure instead of setting yourself up for success. Another example of a way to like, you know, kind of get the ball rolling with something that's a little bit easier. So I have a nutrition client who could not get him to log his food. And he would do really well for three days out of the week and then start to kind of go off the rails on Thursday, Friday, Saturday and be like, I need to start over and let me do the 10 days again. I'm like, no, you're not going to do the 10 days again. But so instead of having him log his food and to start to show him that he's making some kind of stress-based, emotionally based, you know, like kind of autopilot decisions um, and to bring his like meals into greater awareness for him he has to take a picture of everything he eats and send it to me he has to text it to me so he knows like that action of taking the picture Mm -hmm. and sending it to me puts that decision into his conscious awareness and he's done a lot better in the last four weeks than you know trying to force him to obviously the behavior of asking him to log all of his food every single day was too big of a habit and he couldn't make that jump. So the distance from where he was to where I needed him to be was too great a distance. And Mm -hmm. so we just set a short-term goal in the middle of, all right, let's just start making these decisions conscious and you're going to take a picture of it. So now I still know what he eats. It's not measured, so I don't know the exact numbers, but we're we're taking steps in the right direction. So we're kind of getting the boulder rolling. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think that that approach, I have a, a, a client the reasoning is different, but we do a similar technique where she takes her takes pictures of it because logging, she stresses her out and she becomes obsessive about the numbers because mm. she, she wants to be perfect. Oh, yeah. And, it, and it, by the end of the day, she's like a basket case. <laughs> it, every time I talk to her, I'm like, what, what, calm down, what's <laughs> going on? And then it's because of the numbers. It freaks her out. Mm. And it's because she... I'm not going to go into her story, but she has some ingrained patterns, mm-hmm. which is why this is an issue for her. So we, she takes pictures of the food. And I like this tool also because it brings awareness to, okay, well, what do numbers mean? What does that look like visually when I'm putting a meal together? And it's, it's given her the opportunity to see food on the plate, which kind of is – would work for your like your behavior sometimes too in that you know you want to eat everything on your plate yeah so she can look at a plate and low and eat you know whether she eats the whole thing or only a portion of it she knows how it makes her feel if it makes her feel really good and she's satisfied and that sustains her for a long time that meal look at that picture that was a good choice for you yeah or vice versa if it wasn't she was either hungry an hour later her blood sugar dropped maybe there wasn't enough fat there but but putting that visual connection together to how she felt was super helpful for her super helpful and now she doesn't need to take pictures she just knows she can order something off the menu see it on her plate and be like okay this is how much of it i should eat or eat the whole thing yeah that's great and it works it's worked really really well and, and now she's actually just... getting really good at taking pictures of her food before <laughs> i was like i can't tell what's on your plate what is that i can't you need to back up but now she's like this amazing <laughs> food photographer <laughs> <laughs> well i mean i think all of these are really good tricks for just changing your perception you know Mm -hmm. like just reframing things looking at it a different way like figure out how to get out of that old 
that old habit, that old pattern that seems to control you and change it to a behavior that is something that now you are in control of. And that's really empowering. And again, you know, like, I, you know, we sound like a sales pitch every single time, but that's really where a nutrition coach comes in handy. You know, it's a, it's an extra set of eyes, someone who can kind of, well, you can troubleshoot then you can try maybe you don't know what your issues are and you need help. You need help figuring out what those are. So they might be able to offer you the right questions. That's true. To help you investigate. They're, they're bringing an additional perspective. Mm -hmm. So maybe a different way for you to look at your behaviors, what you're eating, the entire process, you know, they're able to kind of talk you down off the rails if something (laughs) doesn't go right. Um, And also help you break down your goal because you might have this goal of, oh, I want to lose, you know, 5% of fat. Right. Okay. Well, what does that mean? Where do we start within that? Yeah. And they have the additional advantage of not being emotionally attached to the goal or to the behaviors in the way that you do. And so that's, you know, having someone holding that non-emotional, very reasonable space for you, some, some, somebody to reflect just a little more logical approach um, is really, really valuable. Yep, it's true. And it's going to be uncomfortable at some point or another. It's inevitable. But I think that that kind of, if you hit that point, you're like on on the threshold of, of making change. And I'm going to be honest, like the the women that I coach around this particular topic, more often than not, there are tears involved when we talk, (laughs) like 90% of the time. But every time that happens, the next time I talk to them, they're better. Yeah. They feel better. They've literally, they're emptying out that that, that backpack that they've been carrying around. And it's really, it's inspiring for me to watch sort of that, this blossoming that happens and this like freedom that comes with it. It's really really cool I have fun I love them I love you all <laughs> it's great I get so excited Aww, I do like I and I you know I, I try not to like obviously I'm showing my um my excitement to them during during the the, the times that we talk and in my enthusiasm but afterwards I just feel so full and like excited for them and to watch these sort of like little mini breakthroughs happen is I just like giving tools to people. Oh, uh, it's well. I have this big box of tools, and I'm like, here, just try this one. You're a teacher. You're <laughs> try a, this one. You're a guide. It's fulfilling <laughs> for you. I think that's. I think that just, you know, that you're invested in that way just me, is a mark of a good coach. So, I think thanks. That's awesome. Thanks, because you can do it. You can do it. <laughs> we believe in you. We do. We do. We believe in you. We really do. We do. So, I hope and we're both coaches, but I mean. I'm keeping it real here, y'all. I cannot stay sane about my nutrition without <laughs> having a coach. So I have a coach too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not, you know, I, I was just telling Alex earlier, y'all, literally I've been on a diet since like 1988. Not on a diet, <laughs> but I've been like, we're going to call it tweaking my nutrition. There you We've go. been tweaking my nutrition since 1988 and I am being very real about that date because that's when I was 12 years old, which is about the time that my parents had to talk with me. It's like, okay, it's time to think about the fact that you're a fatty. And <laughs> Oh, never a good conversation well, to have with your no, child. It's not. And it just it it kind of got me a little obsessed with it, but you know, I wouldn't be who I am today it's true. without having had that that 
what do I want? How do I want to describe that comment? I mean, it was a, a foundational conversation yeah. for, for mm-hmm. me, fundamental conversation. So, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> it's taken a lot of years, but I'm still like, I get emotional about my food and having a coach is just, even though like, I know all of the things, I know all of the things and I can advise other people and I can, I can hold that non-emotional perspective for them because it's them and it's not me. But when it's me, I still need someone to go, okay, you're acting like a crazy lady now. You need to calm down. Take (laughs) it down a notch. That's right. And it's so like, it's such a relief and I feel so grateful to have someone that can just be that, you know, that kind of like. You know, just yeah, so you just need a support system. Yeah, it's just an anchor. Whatever for that me. looks like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, goal setting is huge. There's a lot more to it than just making a decision to make a change. Yeah. And I think if if that's something that actually is important to you, it's not just something that you want to do because obviously people want to look good naked, and I think that that is a great motivation. Everybody wants that. But everybody, if wants you're not that. willing to look deeper into what else is going on it's not going to work yeah that's true well it's just not going to work another as you bring that up it makes me realize that I wanted to point out understanding your motivation behind your goals is important too like if like I would frequently have someone come into the gym and say um, my goal is to run a marathon by I want to train for a marathon by the end of the year so my next question is why why do you want that what do you think it will give you? What do you, what, what do you hope to get out of it? You know, because if, if you want to train for a marathon because you think that's going to force you to burn a lot of calories, mm, I don't know if that's enough motivation for you to really make that goal happen. And so let's examine, is there a better way Mm -hmm. for you to meet your goal? Um, So kind of sitting down and just like, it helps me to, to write it down. Like ask yourself the question, what, what do I think the attainment of this goal is going to mean for me? What am I going to get out of it? Who am, gonna, who am I going to be when I achieve it? After I achieve it, how will I feel? What comes next after right. that achievement? Because Which is why post-show and post-event blues is so common is because people don't have this long-term game plan in place. Right. And there's this loss at the end. I just did this huge thing. I made all these changes to make it happen and now it's done. What do I do? Where do I go? I'm confused. Yeah. Or, or they don't have the feelings that that they expected to have once they attain the goal and that's disappointing and they didn't expect for the, the attainment of that goal to bring them disappointment. You know, they expected my life is going to be amazing when I'm the world champion and maybe, (laughs) maybe it's not now. And then, then you're disillusioned. You're like, why did I just do all this hard work? So, yep. So it's important to examine what is behind the goal. What are you trying to get out of it? Who do you think it's going to make you be? Do you think it's going to make you a different person? Do you purely want physical results from it? Why do you want to look different physically? Do you need attention from the opposite sex? Do you need to love yourself more? Like there's so many different levels to consider. Yep. Agreed. It's a very complex, heavy topic. It is. But and that's why we keep talking about it. True. But it doesn't <laughs> have to be overwhelming. It doesn't have to be scary. And Correct. set yourself up for success by making little tiny short-term goals that are going to help you arrive at your long-term goal, goal efficient. Yep. 
Eventually. <laughs> We're in this for the long haul. That's right. We got That's a lot right. of time on so, this planet. And a long-term goal could be six months. It could be a year. It could be five years. It could be five years. Wow. I very rarely think about like past six months. So <laughs> I'm a fly by the seat of your pants kind of girl. For the I am a planner. I have a 10-year plan. Oh, wow. I do. Yeah, I'm no, just, I like to know and be prepared. 10-year plan. I got... I mean, but the 10, just, okay, I'm going to break this down real quick. dead in 10 years? <laughs> but 10 years, I mean, that goal is not, I'm not talking about I have all these tiny little things planned for the next 10 no, years. I have a very esoteric. general, yeah. exactly, picture yeah, yeah, of yeah. what 10 years is like. And in order to do the 10, I got to break it down to five. It's like, and, and that I just work better that way because I'm, I just do. So is That's that an exercise that you do because it's part of your kind of, keeping yourself on track or is that something that you just do because that's the kind of person that you are and you're just kind of fantasizing about oh in 10 years and this is where I'll be and this is what it's gonna look like I think actually it's it's looking back at when it started and I don't I'm not gonna go too long because we're gonna have to wrap up pretty soon here but it this honestly goes back um this honestly goes back to (laughs) this is this is funny I'm actually motivated by my mom's behavior growing up because she didn't do that and the stress that it caused her and the anxiety that was always present in the house freaked me out and I was like oh my god she doesn't know what she's doing there's no plan we're going minute by minute I need more structure (laughs) than this get it together so that contrast helped you identify what you didn't want I literally was like okay I'm not doing that I need identify more. what you did yep. want. Yeah. And I'm a Capricorn too, so we generally really thrive off structure and organization. So <laughs> <laughs> that 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 is, you know, enrooted in me to some extent. So um, I really did, though. I think as soon as I was, I mean, gosh, if I can. My mom even said when I was younger, like as a kid, I organized my toys and didn't really play you, with them. I arranged them so that they looked really nice and I didn't like anybody playing house. with them. <laughs> I need you to come to my new house. And help me with my closet. Yeah. So it's interesting when you do look back at to the root cause of behaviors and, and sort of when they were instilled in you, why. Um, and uh, very interesting because it can also, for me, be be a weight in wanting and feeling the need to plan things out. In fact, my honeymoon was a great example of that because we did not plan anything out <laughs> and it stressed me out. And I was like, no, just enjoy the freedom and the ease of sort of just oh, going where the wind blows. An extra week. And so that's I know. so fantastic that but it, you were. At first I was like, eh, no, I don't know when I'm coming back. Right. That's okay. What do I do? How do I pack? Did I bring oh, enough stuff? That's Where so are we going? Great that you were able to do that. Though. It was a. It was the whole time was like practice for me, and I went into it like, no, this is a good opportunity to learn and let go <laughs> and just let it be what it is. And I did have moments where I would catch myself, and I'm like, no, you're oh. fine. You're gonna be okay. That's so this good. This is fantastic. You're like me. Go like with it. Student for life. It seriously. Student of it life. It was good. For and life. even Dimitri was like, wow, good job. Oh. I thought you were gonna freak out. You didn't. That's awesome. I, was like, I didn't. And I honestly, and this is weird, and I'm, I've just had this conversation with someone else, and we're going to probably have to wrap up on this note, but that sort of relaxed point that I got to in just letting things happen as they will has stayed with me. And like I mentioned at the beginning, this has been the busiest December I've ever had, and I have not been stressed out. 
at all. Fantastic. Like at all. Like I'm even weirded out by it. <laughs> I'm like, why like, are you so relaxed I? right now? This is weird. Who am I? But I'm just going to go with it. With and us? I really hope it lasts because I feel really good. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, do we want to say anything else like a takeaway about goal setting before we or about goals, about creating new habits, about kind of hitting the reset button? Because that's what a lot of times January can be for a lot of people is just let's just hit the reset button. I, I really like journaling or writing something down in some way, because I think if you start writing and you break down what you want, start with what you want. Yeah. What is it that you want in the new year? Maybe it's to reset. Well, what does that mean? So really break it down. Maybe you have like a little, gosh, there was this book that I read. Um, Stop saying you're fine. Ooh, it's a good one. <laughs> Stop saying you're fine. There were, I like this book because there were a lot of really fun tasks and I like doing like little activities. There were a lot of fun little assignments and one of them was sort of a life audit where you like have, you to kind of branch off. You What do you call those? Cloud... Anyways, I, have this, I can picture it in my head. I know what you're But you talking have like your little it. bubble in the middle of the paper where you have like your goal or an issue or something. And then you branch off into different things. And then those branches branch off into little twigs and then leaves. So you have this tree of, of sort of your life. I mean, you can go big or start small maybe um, like we've talked about. But I think breaking down what you want or what's important to you um, into categories and then thinking about, okay, well, I want to make a change in my life. I want to be healthier. Okay, well, what does that mean? Does that mean you need to lose some body fat? Right. Okay, so body fat's there. What do I need to do to lose body fat? Well, I need to focus on my food. So there's your food. So within the food category, what's next? Well, I have these behaviors around my food that might be problematic. Let's look at those. Right. So I think starting big and really breaking it down, and it's going to take some time to do that because you might it might spark things as you go <laughs> i'm smiling because <laughs> one of my first um one of our first jobs as a personal trainer i was i had i it was my job to teach the like intro to fitness classes so basically new people that join this gym they would come in and sit down with me and i would show them how to use the machines but before i would show them how like you know, it was kind of like just a, it was like a template routine that we gave every single person that was in there. But before we did that, there was like a questionnaire. And so I would sit down at the table with them and ask them the questions. And like, of course, one of the questions is like, what are your goals? What are you trying to accomplish? And literally every single one of them, I would say 99.8% of the people, the goal is to lose weight and tone. I want to lose weight and tone up. Well, yeah, I know. I know you want to lose weight and tone up. I know that's the goal. Let's dig a little deeper. <laughs> so, and I didn't really do that with those, but it, it became kind of a, like a joke in my own head. <laughs> it's like, yeah. all right, I don't need to ask this question because I'm just going to say to them, let me guess, your goal is to lose weight and tone up. And literally every time I would be like, what's your goal? Lose weight and tone up. <laughs> every single time. So... We know you want to lose weight and tone up. We know that. Let's dig a little deeper. Let's like, you let's do, you gotta, go you down the rabbit investigate. hole. What's mm -hmm. that going to get you? Yep. What is the motiva motivation behind losing weight and toning up? Yep. What makes you want that? Because those are important things to know because those are going to be the things that you have to latch on to to be able to sustain the new behavior, the new habit. Exactly. The new thing that's going to keep you going. So... 
because lose weight and tone up, y'all, it's not going to do it for you. We know you want to lose weight and tone up. Everybody does. <laughs> or get huge even, bulging biceps. Even the Victoria's Secret Angels, their New Year's resolution is to lose weight and tone up. <laughs> I'm just saying. I don't think they can get any more toned. They maybe maybe not, but they still want to lose weight and tone up. They still want that. <laughs> I really hope they enjoy holiday treats and therefore <laughs> then need to tone up because they enjoyed so many holiday treats. But oh. that's a topic for another show. It is. So we hope that this was insightful in some way. Absolutely. And we takeaways. are sending love to the people. If you guys want to find us on social media, I am on Instagram. You can um, message me there if you'd like to connect with me at Shana underscore A. And Alex is at A V Navarro. Correct. On Instagram. So you can find us on there. You can uh, also on uh, Facebook. Facebook at Facebook slash body IO. So um, Facebook page. Body.io if you're kicking it with the internet browser. Yep. And you want to go to the website, check out other episodes. Um, and we love comments and feedback. So questions, uh, anything. We Please like to talk hear from to us. You. Let us know what you want us to talk about and we'll talk to you. Happy New Year. Happy holidays. And we'll catch you guys next time. Uh, thanks for listening to another episode of Her Body. Peace out. You've been listening to Her Body on Body IOFM with your hosts, Alex Navarro and Shayna Alverson. If you'd like to hear more, log on to body.io. We'll be back next time with more information about women's health and performance.